Cocoa Sisters. It's a sister's day. Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Lady C and I'm with my wonderful co-host, the Duchess. Hello, everybody. Hello. And welcome to another edition of the Coco Sisters podcast. I'm really excited about today's show because, because we have a great sister in the spotlight. Oh, so excited. And I'll tell you all about her in a minute. Um, but she's going to be talking to us about her career and body image. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into it. We're going to mm-hmm. get into it because we know there are some things that we need to talk about when it comes to body image. But we are joined by our lovely, the wonderful studio queen, Joyce. Hello, Joyce. Hello. Hello. Good, 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 good. Really excited to be here, as usual. I can't wait for the, 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 the discussions, the conversations, what we're going to chat about. Yeah, you've got a little, you know, got a little ting and ting going on, Joyce. Joyce is looking very sexy, very, like, busy. She is, she's looking today. very, what, what's the word? Not only sexy, but sultry, yeah, sophisticated. Really? Do, do, you like, do you like the S's? Sexy, sultry, sophisticated. And listeners, as we're saying those words, her shoulders are going ten to the dozen, boy. And another S, she's feeling sweet. And now she's another rest, and now she's skinning her teeth. Yeah, you know, it's good to acknowledge your sister. You know, when I first see your sister on the street looking good, I've got to say, I think you look lovely today. Yeah, you know, I do do too, actually. Thank you. you We need to do more of that. We need to do more of that. Nobody really does it to me, Tutor, but I'm asking. Not many people say it to you, but you're going to say it to everybody. <laughs> I usually get some drunken old man saying it to me. Girl, you look nice. Really? Really? Of all the people, why are you talking to me? And do you know what I do as well? You know when sometimes you get people that stare at you? I get people that look at me quite often. And when they do it and I'm in a really um, cheeky mood, this is me. I know, isn't it? I'm beautiful, right? And people are like, what? <laughs> Here's a question. How do you respond to me like your fears? Me like uh, your fears? Yeah. It depends think, on who's saying it. As a chat yeah. up line. I, 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 oh. I took it as a chat up line. That's so we, had this, we had this <laughs> discussion. <laughs> <with the folks>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> me like your fears, I took it as a chat <laughs> What else could you have taken it as, though? Exactly. Just say, just say well, thank you. I like Yeah, my I would too. just say thank you. Okay, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Just have a great day. Okay. Yeah. Thank and then and then and then when you're walking off, yeah, you have to walk like you're walking on a, on a catwalk. <laughs> yeah. I'm already taking those shoulders. Yeah. Those shoulders, Joyce. Yes. Like. <laughs> don't look. No, no, you look deranged now. Child. Oh no. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh dear, Wakanda, Wakanda. Exactly. Wakanda. Wakanda. Uh, well, we've got our usual segments, don't we? We've got our political 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also going to have our uh, a health tip. And we're also going to do a get my goat, uh, as well as our favourite mama used to say. Um, Take your time, young man. Mama yeah. used to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we've got all of those things coming up. Um, but first... I really want us to talk about something that's really, um, I, you know what I'm going to say. The minute I say something, you know you're just going to say, yeah, it, you know, it got you too. Something that got my goat this week. Oh, dear. Um, people, <sighs> listeners, you may be in trouble now. What got your goat this week, Lady C? I'm just going to say... 17 years old. Oh, my days. Yeah. I know where you're going. You know where I'm going, right? I, I is do. It, is it Kyle? Oh. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You know something. <laughs> let, me, let me be clear. Can I, can I just say, though, Lady C, not only could that be a get my goat, that could be a political 10. It could also be a mama used to say. 
It could be all of them. It's all of them. Yeah. I'm going to call it get my goat because I'm not going to be as rational as I could be because I is vexed. Now, I sat down and watched this. This, this this thing you know I saw it when it happened I, I saw the jury the trial and then I heard about the verdict and then so many questions go through your mind don't they the first thing I see is the first thing you say was well if Kyle was black <laughs> would yeah. he even have a chance to get arrested um <laughs> if he was black would he even have a chance of a fair trial if Kyle was black would he have been found not guilty of, you know, shooting two people and injuring someone else. Um, and so, you know, I would, I think the answer to those questions would be no. <laughs> he wouldn't yeah. be found not guilty. He wouldn't have a chance of a fair trial. Yeah. Um, and then when you sit down and look at how the system works in favour of people who look like Kyle, how they can quickly... Um, you know, draft a narrative to draw you in, referring to him as a boy, number one, referring to him as a boy who's made a mistake, who just saw it as an opportunity to defend the property of a state he don't even live in. Um, just so many things of the, of the, you know, the hubris attached to it that he thought it was okay to have a gun. And him there walking with the police like he's an officer of the court, or of the of the state walking like he should be, you know, this this is his right, and just doing his own thing. And the, the privilege and the freedom that he was owning that time. He well not even owning, he was afforded. No, well, that's what I'm saying. Come yeah. on, son, yeah. come on, son, come on, calm down, son. Calm down. Shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm laughing at the incredulity of this all because, you know, there's been lots of comparisons with Tamir Rice, you know, who, who was just walking down the street <laughs> and who lost his life. But this guy takes life away, but mm. still gets to walk down the street as a free person. And, and I, we, know, we know that racism exists. We know that structural racism exists. We know that institutional racism exists. But when it plays out so blatantly in front of your face, and then you get people who are now applying to be senators of states in, the, in America saying, well, I think justice was served. For who? Wow. For who? You know, it, 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 it just gets my goat that we're still facing this nonsense. Um, you know, we're still having to go through this. Um, right before our very eyes, right before our very eyes, we see a, you know, someone picks up a gun, his mum drives him cross state, bang, bang, bang. I'm defending. Calm down, son. You're arrested. You have trial, but you're free now. That's his story, you know. And it's just a, it's it just, it's, I just find it so, it just floors me. It just yeah. floors me that it's given lots of people license to go and do what they want, you know? So the police maim, kill black people, black people rise up in protest, white people rise up to maim and kill black people protesting and they get away with it. That's the vicious cycle we now find ourselves in and that's what gets my goat. But that's what they call modern day lynching, right? Oh, that's what it is. Awful. That's what it equates to really. Yeah. So yeah, that's what got my get this week, and it's it's. I hear you, sister. I hear I you, lady too. Too. I and, hear you um, too. Apart from what I've what I've said, I'm speechless. To be fair. Yeah. You know. I mean, because... for me, for me, it was when I saw the tears being shed. Woo, child. He was crying in court. At that point, I knew, rightly or wrongly, this person is going to get off. Yeah. And the tears, the, the te and, and, and the constant reference to him as a boy. Yeah. That's, that's what it was. This 70-year-old boy. Interestingly, there was like this documentary on Louise Woodward, which is one of the stories from, I think, like the 90s. And they charted how the whole, the whole court case, and they also showed her how she cried. 
and she made herself very vulnerable. And off the back of that, not that alone, but I'm sure that helped, she got off. And so having seen that a week earlier, and then I saw the footage of Kyle in court, that made me think, hmm, I think he's going to get off on this. Yeah. And he did. You know, but you know what, Joyce? He was never going to be convicted. No. As simple as that. Never. No. He was never going to get convicted because of the jury pool that was selected. All sorts of things were going on. Yeah. Jury pool selection that, you know, plays into a particular way that things unfold. Then you've got possibly, um, not possibly, I would argue, even though I wasn't there, you know, the, the person being um, trained how to present themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then going back to Lady C's point, you know, the, the language, the terminology mm. that is used mm -hmm. that plants a seed in people's minds around who the person is or isn't. And that then plays out in the decisions that they make when they go behind those closed doors. Absolutely. Then they, they then get portrayed as the victim. Right. And so all your sympathy get shifted to that as opposed to the acts that they actually carried out. Right. Right. And, you know, more than what that person, that one person has devastated more than one family. Yeah. Well, this is it. In more yeah. ways than one. Yeah. And that doesn't even get mentioned or recognised. That was a proper. That was a proper get proper my go. Get my go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's heavy. I get that. It's heavy. Yeah, really? it is very heavy. And then people, when when you say you're tired to people, sometimes they don't understand what we mean when we say. And I'm saying black brothers and sisters. When we say we're tired, mm -hmm. they don't they don't understand what we're talking about really when we say we're tired. Because mm -hmm. there's tired and there's sick and tired. Tired. T-I-Y-A-D. Tired. Tired. tired and sick and tired. <laughs> okay. So, uh, comes, comes to that point. Let's, 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 let's be inspired now, because I think we need to be, you know, as Labry Sifri says, you know, there's something inside so strong. Remember that song? Inside so strong. Oh, oh no. Do, you do me wrong so wrong. Yeah, that one. Yes. You know? So, uh, I think they can't see that, Joyce. They can't see the fists going up and you pulling it down and, <laughs> and mouthing the words. They can't see that. Hello. That's the point. <laughs> so we need, I, think, I think we need to, you know, lift ourselves or be lifted and no one better than our, our guest, our sister in the spotlight. And that's the wonderful, the lovely Brittany Clark. Let's give it up. Woo! Brittany Clark, welcome to the Coco Sisters podcast. We are so welcome. delighted to have you. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to it. So good. No, so we, so we. I know who you are. The Duchess knows who you are. I know just, who. Just yep. in case there are some people out there. Thinking of who's Brittany Clark? Who is Brittany Clark? Who tell us, never, tell us who a bit maybe, about yourself. Who um, maybe never heard of you. Let's uh, <laughs> let's give them the rundown. Um, I wouldn't say I'm anyone too special. Just a normal girl from South East London that happens to play a bit of professional netball. Um, <laughs> so, so humble. Yeah. Listen to that, my goodness. I know. <laughs> who happen? Who happens to play a bit of professional netball? Just really, Brittany? I mean. Just a little bit. Um, yeah, so I play netball for um, Mavericks um, in the Vitality Netball Super League. Um, and yeah, I've just finished university. So balancing my netball career um, and a professional work career. So can, can we can we not just brush off the university bit, please? Because <laughs> obviously you're playing a little bit of international netball as well as doing a degree and your degree was in may i ask uh, it was in business and events management fantastic look at you yes. come on now come on Brittany, you know um i don't know about you when you started but i started playing netball when i was in primary school like many of us just yeah, part of games but same. you know 
Yeah. And you either carry on during secondary school and then you carry on after secondary school, or it just kind of pitters out, doesn't it? You stop playing. Yeah, after it kind of just fades out. A lot of people kind of fade out when they get to secondary school. So, so when did you start playing, and how did you know that this is the kind of the sport that you wanted to take a bit further? Um, so I started playing, um, I'd say in year five, so I joined my first proper club. Um, I'd obviously done youth stuff younger than that here and there because my mum played quite regularly with local teams. Okay. So I've always been kind of in and around the mix and obviously my aunt is the ex-head coach of Jamaica, um, uh-uh. girl, so it's very in the family netball. So it um, sounds like you've got, pred- there's, pred- I was going to say pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. So yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's in the family. Um my auntie Marbet, yeah, she's top tier up there. Um, wow, Jamaica they, is a strong team. Yeah, very so strong was, team. They're coach strong. a few like I think this is the first year where she hasn't been the coach. So she was the right. coach last year of the season before. So um yeah, quite strong in the family. So started in year five. Um, and when you say, sorry to intervene, um, Brittany, when you say year five, what age are you talking about, roughly? Um, I don't know. I think it's like nine or ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, nine or ten. Five age. Yeah. yeah. So started then with my local club um, over in Bromley. Um, so I'm even now still training with them. I don't play for them now, but still training with them. My mum's now a coach there. Um, so, yeah, it's a proper family club. Wow. And does, I mean, that comes with its pros, but does it also come with some pressure, especially if you've got people in the family that, you know, they've got to those giddy heights in netball. Does that, <laughs> yeah. does that come with an additional pressure or do um, you find it's more motivating? To be fair, when I was younger, I kind of felt a little bit of the pressure, but um, mm. now I'm a bit more like, I feel more honest than more, okay. more pressure. Like I'm happy to be someone in the family continuing on that um, journey in netball. Um, mm. My mum doesn't really play too much um, at the moment, um, bad knees. So she plays here and there for Prem at Caltas where she coaches. Um, my auntie Margaret doesn't play anymore, she just coaches. <laughs> I'm happy to be the one that's still able to play as long as I can, really. Um, oh, so, you're, wow. so you're happy to be the one in the spotlight, in the, <laughs> the sister yeah. in the spotlight, no pun intended. Yeah. So it sounds like it's in your DNA, really. It's part of your, not only your DNA, but your yeah. family's DNA. So do you think then for you, this was something that was destined to happen? Um, yeah, definitely. I feel like it was always, it was always going to be part of my journey one way or another, whether, um, like I say, done it in primary school, it fizzled out in secondary school, or if it was just something I'd carry on. Um, I think with the mum I have, she's quite, she wants us in sports. So my brother done basketball high, quite a professional level as well. He right. played nationally in Europe for a few years over in Lithuania and Portugal. So with us, it was very heavy on, if you're going to do a sport, you're going to do it, and you're going to do it. <laughs> so you're going to have I to- I like that though, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, so she was very like, you know what you need to do, you know what you need to get there. You've got to make your sacrifices. You can't go out with your friends all the time. You have to do what you need to do to get where you need to get in your sport. So um, I wasn't one of the ones that had the choice, I would say, but it was also mm. kind of a blessing at the same time because mm. I mean a mum that pushed me and kept me in a routine and, and organised, I'd say, um, helps yeah. me where I am. I think if I didn't have that kind of direction, I may have been one of the ones that just kind of fizzled off um, as a go and got tough with A-levels and GCSEs. Sure. It's, it's easy to drop it, isn't it? It's so easy. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and the good thing about playing at a, in, at a team, especially in secondary school, and I don't know if you were ever captain of your, the teams in your school, I was team captain, and and so when you're the team captain, there's a lot of responsibility. You have to grow up quite quickly. Yeah. In the in the in the, in your role, um, and that has that carries on even if you're not on court. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So if they see me as team captain on court, if I start doing foolishness mm. off court, they're like, "Well, what's going on? You're team captain." Yeah. Like, but I'm not team captain now. You're team captain all the time. Yeah. Have you ever felt that you know, like there, there's an expectation of how you behave on court should be exactly how you behave off court. Definitely. I wouldn't say so much in school. I never really played school, school netball in secondary school. My school never really had a team like that. So I have oh, relied really? heavily upon, yes, yeah, so I relied heavily upon club netball to get me through those years. So it was very much that kind of environment in terms of what you do on off court replicates what you do on court. So going out mm, um, mm. as I got older, like 
legal age drink is 16, 18, 17, 18. Um, mm. It then became more prominent that what you do off court is going to affect your on-court performance. So going out before a game day or training or that sort of stuff, missing certain things, the social events, that's when you start to get the balance of you need to start doing off-court stuff and on-court stuff. Yeah. And I guess it's also about, um, you know, you talked about um, what you do off court might affect your performance on court. Yeah. But it's also about how people see you as well, yeah, isn't yeah. it? In terms of the behaviours that you need to demonstrate, not only on court, but also off court has an impact, right? Yeah, definitely. I would say more so now I'm in Super League, um, where you're more in the spotlight. You've now got um, I've now got a children looking up to me and I get mm. on social media as well, such a heavy impact. So obviously, um, I've had social media before I, be, um, I became in the spotlight for netball and obviously I'll have it long after. But now I've got children on there that's looking um, to see how I am outside of netball and how I carry myself. So mm. now I'm in that kind of professional environment with Mavericks. It's a lot more stricter in what I can and can't do and what I can and okay. can't post. Um, mm. But again, like like they say, we're meant to be role models for the next generation coming through. That's right. Sure. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. I, I take pride in that, and I'm happy to okay. be that role model. Um, and set the right bar and all that sort of stuff. Um, whoop, whoop. <laughs> social media presence. Um, but yeah, it is it is difficult because obviously you have to make more better decisions when you're going out with friends because obviously friends that aren't in this kind of environment, they mm. have all sorts, especially our age group, early twenties everyone just goes out and does their own thing which is fine you can do that but obviously you just got to be a bit more sensible when you're right. in a environment so when so, and where to do those things so can I just ask then because you mentioned I, I'm, I, I suppose I'm quite fascinated I'm, I'm sure the listeners will be too around how do you balance that then that 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 fine line between um, what your friends can do and get away with let's say and mm. possibly you you thinking mm, that's something I can't do how does that work for you it's difficult to be fair um I'm quite fortunate a lot of my good friends are from netball so a lot of my like best friends I've kind of grown up from netball with so we've all gone through that journey we're all in that place at the moment where we know what we kind of can't do what we kind of can't post we need to we know what where we can put ourselves in the right situations not to put ourselves in bad ones so I'm quite fortunate that my friends are very sporty um and are in that kind of professional environment right um, so we're all on that kind of same wavelengths mm-hmm. um for example like university friends that weren't that like, course friends that weren't really into the sporty thing and would go out all student nights and do everything it's yeah it's difficult to be the one to be like actually guys I can't come say I've got morning train at seven o'clock or sorry yeah guys, I can't say I've got bucks <laughs> today um it's difficult to um separate yourself you always everyone gets that kind of FOMO like the fear of missing out um mm. but then you just got to remember uh, there's greater things you're working towards something else sure you're spot on and I think looking back though those people will you know they probably really respected your work ethic your discipline yeah you see what I mean so even though they may say oh you're being a spoiled sport or you're being boring whatever deep down they really respect it especially if you're consistent yeah you know what I mean especially if you're consistent um, so no, that so we're getting to know a bit more about Brittany Clark. See, listeners, we told you, we told you, <laughs> fascinating woman that she is. We got a sister, a, a, a sister in the spotlight for sure. <laughs> yeah. Great. And stuff. Let, let me, we we have a mutual acquaintance, Brittany, in the form of the lovely another Yvonne Roden um, <laughs> that you know, and um, Yvonne has been a previous guest on our on our on our podcast, um, and she, you know. Of course, netball lovers get together, don't they? Yeah. And um, what what really inspired me to contact you was that I saw a video um, of you giving an interview where you were talking about some of the challenges that you're you have to navigate in your professional career, especially around body image mm-hmm. um, and so on. And that really, you know, the Duchess and I saw that. We're like, wow, this is so fascinating. Yeah, we very really deep wanted as to, well. Yeah, we really wanted to get you in here because you know um sometimes you can be a, a larger woman uh, but still fit mm-hmm. um but because you're a larger woman there's lots of things that are attached to you 
uh, in addition to yeah. all the other stuff, especially if you're a woman of color, right? There's a lot of yeah. assumptions made and, you know, stereotypes attached to you. So that's one. Of, so I, we, we think it's important to talk about body image. With, yeah, with we do. We do. Because body image also affects different groups of people in very different ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but we do know as black women that body image can affect us in specific ways, but we don't always talk about that as open and as honest as we should do. So Lady C and myself, we thought, you know what, this would be a great opportunity to have that discussion and get that going with ourselves, but also then with the listeners and, um, and to see what they're thinking. And hopefully they'll, they'll post, um, you know, some questions later on around, we want more of this. We want to talk more about body yeah. image and what that means for us. So, so tell us about some of those challenges, because you, you mentioned a couple of things in that video. But for the people that haven't seen it, and we will find the video listeners and put it in the show notes so that you can see what we're talking about. But for those that haven't seen it or not, you know, they've not experienced this. Can you just explain some of the challenges that you faced in your career and, and, and also how you've navigated some of those? Yeah. Um, so I've always been a bigger girl in netball. Um, in all my life, really, I've always been the bigger girl. Um, and he kind of noticed early on in netball, especially when it starts to get more serious. So when you get through um, like satellite academies and um, Kent Counties regional academies that we used to have um, a few years ago, you start to like notice the separation more. Um, you start to notice that it, it's not a question of if you're good, you're good and you can go forward it starts to like all the little bits creeping about body image and fitness levels and diet and everything like that. So um, it's been, there's been a lot of um, negative um, feelings I say around the fact that I was a big girl and playing netball. Um, and there have been sometimes that it has kind of held me back a little bit, um, but I've had to persevere. I've had to be resilient. I've had to continue working hard and grinding through um, each hurdle to be able to make it to where I am today. Um, and a lot of clubs um, and a lot of franchises not don't always have that kind of um, inclusivity. I'm not saying because they don't um, take them taking take on bigger girls in the team as such, but because there isn't that much representation in Super League, it's difficult for big girls to then take that step. So, like for me, coming into higher performance netball the older I got there wasn't that much representation for me in top elite sport of netball to make me think okay I can, I'm a big girl I can get like up there with netball there just mm. wasn't that representation for me to the same level there is for thinner girls um there was like one or two here or there that I'd be like oh right so there is someone out there that is playing international netball to a really high level maybe I can do the same so with that interview it was I thought we wanted to be um, having that discussion, open up those um, channels of conversation, because I know there's a lot of younger girls, younger than me, who have um, stopped playing netball because they were bigger, um, especially with club. I've seen clubs do it. I've seen girls that, before I went to university, playing in the local league near where I live, and I've come back from university, and I'm like, oh, where are these girls gone? And everyone's like, oh, they've stopped, they've stopped. But, you know, you're just like, you don't know why they've stopped, but you really hope it's not because of their size or when anyone's made them feel a type of way to not play. Mm. So I just think it's important that it shouldn't be, like, you shouldn't be, what's the word? Penalised. Penal, yeah, penalised for being bigger um, in sport because you can, you can, like these guys say, you can be bigger and still be fit. I think yes. doing the job for that position on the court at the time and mm. size, height, anything, I mean, height might be a bit different, um, but it shouldn't matter. I think as long as you're performing, you're working hard, Absolutely. and it's not hurt anyone. I don't think yeah, yeah. it's hurting sport. I don't think it's hurting netball. I don't think it's hurting how women should be perceived in any way at all. So I just wanted to have a more positive spin on it. Really. Can we go back? There was something that, that you mentioned that just a light bulb went off in my head, partly because on, on our podcast, we talk about activity and we talk about well-being. So going yeah. back to the activity um, segment that we talk about quite often on our podcast, you mentioned around diet and fitness now I've watched the video yeah. so in terms of fitness um, when, when you mentioned that word I was thinking really so what are the what were the challenges that you faced um, around fitness and and diet 
in terms of others' perception of you? Um, in terms of fitness, obviously you get fitness tested in all mm. all types of sport. Um, obviously everyone's got given like benchmarks to reach. So you've got bench positional benchmarks that you're expected to meet for this position fitness-wise. Um, yep. A lot of clubs and a lot of um, teams base their selection on this. So there's been a lot of, so obviously I am, as much as I am fit for a big girl, I'm yep. not as fit as a slimmer girls who can run on for days and days and days. So there has been times <laughs> where I have been hindered in selection because I haven't met a fitness criteria. Right. outperformed the girls who have made the fitness criteria in a game sense scenario. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Oh, that's it does. Ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah. So ridiculous. It, it's been because I haven't made a number. That's been the reason I may I may not be selected for um whatever team or game or whatever. It so was. it sounds like there isn't balance then in terms of you know the, the approach the, the approach that's taken to the criteria of fitness. Do you know what I mean? Because if yeah. you're saying to me, well okay, I, I didn't run that extra length that the slimmer person might have run or the skinnier person might have run. But in terms of my, my game performance was 10 times higher than that same person, but you don't get selected. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, it doesn't yeah. to me. Um, I mean, you can see it kind of from both ways. So from my point of view, it's a case of if I've outperformed, um, yep. for the, obviously net, netball game 60 minutes, if I can sustain a higher performance for that 60 minutes, mm. the number I make on a fitness test shouldn't matter. Mm. Yeah, it's great. And then playing in a game is two different things. Exactly. I, get that, I get you need that endurance, you need that fitness. That yeah. is something I'm not taking away from that at all. But at the same time, if I can perform for 60 minutes of a top level and give you what you know I can give you, then that should That's matter. it. That's the test there, right? That's the test. I agree, yeah. The test is I, the 60 minutes, isn't it? And how, how, what your score sheet looks like, I guess. But it's, it's not just the 60 minutes of the game. It's the 60 minutes of pressurised playing. Yeah. You, 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 you yeah. do feel the pressure when you're playing. Yeah. And it's about maintaining that kind of, keeping your head, remembering all your training, remember that all of that stuff mm-hmm. you've got to keep at the forefront. So, so let me ask you this, Brittany. With all of that, were you ever... Have you ever felt the need, you know what, then um, I, I, I need to do something then. I need to, to drop some weight and, and you know, so I can fit in. Has that, is that something that's crossed your mind? And if it did, did you dismiss it? Talk us through that. Yeah, definitely. Um, a few years ago, um, I would say it was, I think a lot of things factored into this. It was a crossover from sixth form into university. So I'd had a new... Um, schedule I had a new netball, I had a university netball twice in my plate, as well as club netball and franchise netball. And obviously, when you're coming into a new environment, a new team, and obviously, again, the only big girl, which is fine, I was used to it, it wasn't anything new for me to experience. But obviously, when you've got that pressure and you've got so many different trainings and so many different people in each environment, and coaches want different things and mm. expect different things, so obviously, you've got three essentially teams that you're training for. Um, there did become a point where I was a bit like, okay, so this franchise wants this, my uni coach wants this, my club coach wants this. And I was like, to meet in the middle, not that they all any of them is skating, I needed to lose weight at all, it was never the case, but to ease the process of choosing me to play or choosing me out of the team in terms of selection, I, I took it upon myself to think, okay, maybe if I drop some weight, um, it might make my selection process a lot easier, a lot smoother. Um, it necessarily wasn't really anything to do with um, any comments that the coaches made at all. But again, it's the representation. I was the only bigger girl. And if I wasn't, get, wasn't getting selected, mm. um, it's difficult for you to think of other reasons other than the fact that I am the bigger of girl. Of course. Yeah. You know I mean? So yeah. Yeah. there was a point where I was like, okay, I'm not getting selected. Um, it's not that it's my fault performance, it's not this, not that, what else could it be? And I just went in my own head at some points and just thought it must be because of my weight. So I did at one point think, okay, let's lose some weight. Um, I did do really well, but again, just didn't keep it off. Um, but keeping it off is is just as difficult it as losing difficult. it isn't it yeah. yeah because it keeps finding its way back to you, you know? 
<laughs> because it's meant to be. Listen, I, I say, Lady C, it's because it's meant to be part of you. That's why it yeah. doesn't play off. The, but if it, you know, if it comes too attached to you, though, it's too much. Isn't it? And um, the other thing is, if, if you know, within your own history, you know, your family history, your DNA is such that, you know, you have got... Um, big members of you know of your family whether yeah. they're male or female that plays into you know your body type yeah um yeah my family's um is a bit mixed with weight like me and my mum mm. my aunt's a little bit bigger but then my brother's like stick thin he's six foot ten is like a pole so right yeah um, so it's it's a bit weird and um, family wise um but yeah, it's just how it is, really. Um, I'm never, yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to wake up one day and go, oh yeah, let's go on a ten k run. Like that will never, that will never be me. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just not in my makeup. But I'll do what I need to do to make sure I'm performing on the court whenever. Right, right. Right. And I can I can relate to that. You can I can I can run up and down on the court for sixty minutes, but ask me to just run for sixty minutes, it's not happening. I'm not. Yeah, I can't do that. Different. I just can't do it. So, you know, um, you spoke a lot about, you know, you have to dig deep and, um, you know, uh, uh, just keep focused and stay on track of what you want. Yeah. And, you know, we talk a lot about we, black women are strong women and, and you know, and to, and to an extent we are because we've had to be. But I think what we are more of is resilient. Yeah. And given the things that you've had to navigate and all the stuff that you've had to balance, you know, how... How do you build your resilience? How do you, you know, what would you say to someone who says, well, you know, how comes you are so resilient? What can, how can I learn from them? What's your advice to them? Um, I'll say, just keep going. No one's going to come along and do it for you. Mm. Um, you're going to have to do it yourself. So even if you stop now because you're finding it hard and you can't find that strength to push forward, and then they, no one can push forward for you. So you can take your break. You can take your time out. But if you ever want to get further or leave that place that you're in, you have to get up and do it yourself. Like, you can't, no one can carry you through anything. It all comes from within. And others can't help you unless you want to help yourself. So um, in terms of my resilience, I've had to look within and find my own inner strength to get, at least take that first step before I can then ask someone else for help because someone else can't take that first step for me. So, um, I've definitely had to deep and I say, just look within. It's there. It might be hard to find, um, but that inner strength is there. And you might take some time finding it, but it'll get there. Very mm. wise words there, Brittany. Mm. You, know, you have to take that first step. Yeah. You know, we do. Then that's this hard, but we do have, to, we only us can do that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Great words. Duchess, a question from you? So, a question for me based on what you've just told. Um, spoken about in terms of you know you have to find your inner resilience and no one can help you unless you're ready to be helped I guess Mm -hmm. um, is what you've I've heard you say so what's the best advice that you've been given then by somebody else that's actually helped you um everyone kind of gives you the same advice in terms of you have to want it right everyone the most common phrase I've had people mm. use with me in terms of, um, especially when I was younger and I was going through the ranks of Kent Netball, Regional Netball, Regional Performance Academies, that sort of stuff. A lot of people and coaches, I kept getting the, you have to want it. Right. That's what go for it. Everyone's saying it's a mental battle more than a physical battle. Okay. A lot of people okay. tell me you have to mentally commit before you mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. commit to. Because if your brain is only 50% there, then there's only so much your body can take you. Cool. So, so this has to be this has to be your journey. This has to be your dream. This has to be yeah. your want. You can't be doing it for somebody else because somewhere down the line that's going to fall by the wayside. Exactly. So that's what I've been given. That's the advice I've been given around me my whole netball career. To be honest with you. So you have to want this. Yeah. Come on. Because it's a yeah, it's a long journey. It's a hard <laughs> journey, and you don't want to be doing it for someone else because as it gets tough and there are some tough times there are some really tough times and you don't want to relate that tough time because you're doing it for someone else you don't want to build right. resentment towards them because you're of going course to do something, trying to do it yeah yeah, yeah so yeah you have to want it for yourself 
Okay. So what 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 is the it then? What's the ultimate? <laughs> what are you aiming for? Is it to be captain of the England team? Or what what is it? What is what you what you gunning what for? Captain, goal? hold on a second. She could be captain of the Jamaica team since she has yeah, connections um, too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, I think I'm actually eligible to play for Jamaica. I think I'm not too sure. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I would love to play internationally, whether it be England or Jamaica. But then again, like it's my journey. Um, I'll go wherever it takes me. Um, obviously, right. I work hard and strive towards that. But if that's not meant to be, then it's not meant to be. I'm very happy um, playing Super League. I'll be very content playing Super League um, if that's what the world is destined for me to play. If they don't want to play any higher, Super League. Super League. Okay. She said CP, so I thought that would be S. No, no, she did say oh, Super no. League. Yeah, she sorry. did say Super. She did say Super League, but I think the connection was you just got oh, a bit right. of connection. Yeah. <laughs> right. So happy to love to play internationally. Okay, so we've got that. So when yeah. we see you there playing for whoever, we'll say, "Ah, oh, look, there it is. She's on. Her, she's on the way." We'll in it, in it. We're we'll cheering and, you on. And you know what we can do now. And um, Brittany, we can claim it for you now that you're going to be <laughs> playing internationally. Come on. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Come on. Whatever team it is will be and sponsored by the Coco system. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Come on. <laughs> well, look, you know, we're, we've got just a couple more questions, Brittany, mm. but this has been absolutely fascinating. Um, and I, it's a, you know, I want you to describe yourself or tell us what you've learned about yourself um over the last you know especially the last couple of years because we've had a tough time haven't we and that's had an impact on us in various ways so what would you say um you've either learned about yourself or had to unlearn about yourself in 2021 um or if you want to describe yourself in using three adjectives what would they be either one of those it's up to you um i'll say i've learned um that if if I wanted to do something, I'd make time for it. So, okay. um, obviously going through lockdown, obviously all the restrictions, I was working and finishing uni, which then went online. Um, and we were training with um, Super League. And there's a lot of things, and obviously you've got the pressures of COVID and the fear of catching it when you're outside and obviously being isolating at home. But obviously, like I said, I was working. So a lot of things was going on mentally. And there was a lot of things that needed to be done. It was very easy for me to kind of slip into a little bubble and just do the bare minimum that I needed to do each day. But um, I quickly learned that if I need, like, if I wanted something to be done, um, I could do it in terms of I won't procrastinate. Because I had it, like, before lockdown, I was a big procrastinator. I would wait till the very last minute to do things. I'd wait till the very last minute to leave to be somewhere. I'd always be rushing around. But... Um, I really learned that if, to get up and just get things done, especially in lockdown, you don't know when it was going to end and obviously everyone's got their own situations yeah. going on. So yeah, I that's what I kind of learned about myself, that I can do things about having to procrastinate, just get up and get them done. Um, I would say that um, I unlearned to moan. I didn't, I didn't moan as much. <laughs> oh, a bit of a you uh, you unlearn how to not to moan. Yeah, wow, I love because it. I exactly. learned other people are going through a lot of worse struggles than me. So right, I learned to stop moaning about my little day to day issues. Like, oh my god, I've got to get up for work. Oh my god, I've got to get myself to the gym. Oh my god, I've got to do this. <laughs> oh my god, I've got another lecture. Like, I'm such a moaner. So I learned a lot in lockdown that others Brilliant. were suffering a lot worse than me, and that my moaning was minuscule. Like so small and just to kind of get over myself a little bit um <laughs> so i'll say that that's what i on is it unlearned i'm saying i love it i love it i love it i love yeah. it yeah that was so funny so you unlearn not to moan so much yeah. and you learned how to um not procrastinate yeah. yeah, well, to seize the day, isn't it? Can't yeah. pay DM, as they say. You, you exactly. learned how to, to seize the day and get things done in the way that you wanted to get things done yeah. uh, um, that helps you then to, to frame the day in the way that you want it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, Brittany, on, on, this, on, our, on this podcast, we have several different segments. And one of the segments we have is something called Mama Used to Say. 
And it's take your those... time, young man. <laughs> Mama used doesn't to even say. know that song. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a nod to some of those phrases our parents and our grandparents or the elders of our family, the phrases they would say when we were growing up. And I just wondered whether there was something that either your mum, your grand, your aunt or somebody, um, a phrase that they, they used to say when you were growing up and you used to think, what on earth are they talking about? Uh, is there anything like that that comes to mind? <laughs> um. A few. Oh, give us a couple. Not, not, yeah, not, not too rude though. No, Brittany, um, not too rude. No. <laughs> um, how do I put this one? And you can oh. say it in the authentic accent and everything if you want. Yeah, to. if you need to, yeah, go for it. Go for it. I don't it. know if it's rude in the accent. I don't. I don't know if it's say it. And if it's rude, then we can edit it out. So don't worry about it. <laughs> um. So my mum used to like when I was younger, my mum used to say I was like a one and shatty. A one and shatty. Yeah. What? Okay. So that and mean? that is. So like basically, she would say like I don't do things properly. Like I used to not do things properly. Um. So like for example, if she said to me, um, I don't know. Let's she said right, you're cleaning the bathroom today. I like part clean it and just clean like the visual bits so and not like clean like properly if that makes sense yeah. or yeah. I would like I don't know how I explain this so, so you won't move things out the way and clean behind the, the no you know, so what, I yeah. would like so if I'm hoovering you know how you move the table and you hoover yeah around, yeah, like, yeah yeah or the settee no so I'll just go to it and then go right. away. like I was like kind of like a part a part-time worker kind of thing I'd say like when I used to put up my shots, like in the garden, I'd like do like the bare minimum. Like, okay, I've done ten now, or I've done fifty. When I should be doing like one, two hundred, um, like a day, I just do like the bare minimum. It's like, oh, that's man, you know, I've kind of done it, done enough. Just keep ticking over. Um, um, that's what she used to say to me back in the day. But I think I've kind of grown out of that now. I hope. So, so <laughs> say the saying again, Brittany. Uh, one hand shatty. One hand shatty. Oh, one hand. Okay. Yeah. One hand. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. I get it now. I think, okay. Yeah. So I, I think okay. I've grown out of that as I've gotten older. But her phrase now, um, she's really religious as well. Her phrase now is just to like believe in God. Like her her argument has that he's got a plan for whatever happens. So um, if anything bad happens, it's happened for a reason. If anything good happens, it's happened for a reason. Right. Okay. She's really big on believing that there's everyone's got their own destiny. That's and, right. Um, ride the mm-hmm. road and see where it takes me. Your journey, journey will take you where your journey needs yeah. to take you. Mm. Yeah. So if anything bad happens, like I don't know, if like lost a job or um didn't get selected for something with netball, I get really within on myself and really like negative on my own self and start questioning me. And she's very much like, no, it might not be anything to do with you. There's a plan. This opportunity wasn't for you because maybe something else is coming later down the line. Like, right. open, like God has opened up space for something greater, kind of thing. So um, that would be her more her kind of phrases now. I say she's very big on there's something else, there's something greater. It's just leaving God and He'll guide you the way. And wow. it's great to have someone like that that's got that level of positivity around you, isn't yeah. it? Because I yeah. think that then helps you to to re- reframe I guess what has happened even though it might be negative or hurtful but um I don't know about you but I think what it can do is help you not to dwell on it so much I guess yeah and it has um I when I was younger I was very religious I kind of grew out of it as I got into my teenage years but um I'm kind of finding my feet again within my religion and I do see that there is something else if something bad has happened I'm starting to see that there is it's because of another opportunities come That's right. mm. within my career like we're finishing uni and finding jobs um I have noticed that the ones that I've really wanted to get but haven't got it's because there's something else there um, mm. and I've been very fortunate in that department so um praise yeah. god exactly exactly so amen to that whoop whoop well, we've you know it's we've come to the end. I know, I know, I know. Before so, before oh. we do before we do the final end, Lady C, I know, and I think you know that Brittany's got a hidden talent. You know, 
And, you know, her hidden talent is I'm just going to do people won't be able to see this. So this might make Brittany laugh and then she can explain what her hidden talent is. Look. <laughs> What's your hidden talent, Brittany? What can I you do? Play the flute. She, look at that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Can you do you still practice now? Oh no! Um, oh. I'm lost. <laughs> did you did you get lot. to the stage where you were taking any grades? Yeah, so I got to grade four. Grade um, four. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so um, I picked up um when I was near five actually. Um, missed grade one and two, went straight in and sat my grade three. Mm-hmm. Um, passed that and then done the grade four before I left um, primary school. Um. And unfortunately, um, my secondary school didn't do music lessons like that to keep me going through my grades. Oh, okay. Oh. Music lessons were ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wanted to play the flute, uh, but my music teacher at the time said I had the wrong shaped lips. Racist. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but to be honest, I only wanted to play the flute because my friend was playing the flute. Um, that's why I started to be fair yeah, with my friends. Yeah. But you got to grade four, and that that's yeah. not an easy task to, no, to know no, how to no, learn. Well done. Yeah, no, so well done you. So when you're ready, you can take it out of the loft, Brittany. Yeah. I heard you say that's where you put it. It's in the yeah, loft. When the you're loft. ready, you can take it out of the yeah. loft. Yeah, clean well, it. I took priority by the time I got to secondary school, that's why. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, of of course. <laughs> But you never know, yeah. in your latter years, it might come out of the yeah, loft and, and you pick it up again. So that hidden talent, bring to the fore. Yeah, definitely. Nice. <laughs> Back <laughs> <of the> cobwebs. <laughs> so before we close, and it's been a fascinating uh, Sister in the Spotlight session, Brittany. Um, you know, I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it as much as we've enjoyed listening to you. Before we close, what's the one piece we always like to give our sisters listening out there in the world you know, one piece of advice or one tip piece of advice that, you, that you, you've mm-hmm. picked up or you want to share with them that's going to inspire or motivate them. What's that one thing you'd like to share with the Coco Sisters worldwide? Um, I always tell people, if anyone comes to me for advice, I always just say, just be yourself. There's only one mm. of you. No one else can be you. No one else can replicate you. There's no duplicate. There's no nothing. There's only you. Do what you need to do to make you happy and just be the best you you can be. That's all I did, Look at that. The I love that. Thank Same you. Words. <laughs> Come on, sister in, the, in it, sister in the spotlight, telling everyone, be yourself. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I love it. Love that. Thank own you for it. that. Own you, own every part of you. Just stand tall, walk with pride within yourself, you know? That's right. Come yeah. on now. The lioness that we are. Come yes. on now. <laughs> exactly. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Oh, listen, if you've enjoyed today's uh, sister in the spotlight just drop us a tweet at coco sisters or an email coco sisters at gmail.com but um I, you know it's been wonderful Brittany. thank you thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest thank you we for wish you along. every every success in your career thank you guys and, i've really enjoyed it yeah great, and we're going great. to be cheering for you every so often we, if we see you on the screen there she is we oh. know her we know she came on our podcast <laughs> 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 so duchess we were right weren't we wasn't that a brilliant interview and you know what she was just off the chart phenomenal phenomena magic as my dad was saying for <laughs> you are phenomena magic isn't it so wonderful if you, if wonderful you enjoyed that drop us a line tell us how much you enjoyed listening to britney um you know remember what she was saying about just be you and um that's such an important point for us as coco sisters And it leads on nicely, actually, to our political 10. Um, Because what if being you means that you're slightly different? You think different to how people expect you to think. Um, What if, you know, being you means that your thought processes are sometimes seen as, why is she thinking like that? I'm going to talk about autism, but I'm not going to talk about autism. I'm going to hand over to our lovely studio queen to give us our political 10. So over to you, Joyce. My political 10 is actually on a couple of articles that I've read uh, this week where we've had some celebrities in the UK um, share that they've been diagnosed with autism. And these are white 
middle-aged, some one middle-aged, one an adult. So they're in their 30s or early 40s. But one is Melanie Sykes and the other one is Christine McGuinness. And Christine sort of shared her story about how she was recently diagnosed with it and she's come up quite high on the spectrum. But it's by having that diagnosis, it's made her make sense of her childhood, her, her little ways of being where she was quite picky with food. Um, she didn't really have many friends, that kind of thing. It's, it's helped her to be able to frame that and make sense. And she also sort of shared, she never had a 16th and 18th, 21st and all that kind of stuff. She never really went out. And she had her favorite film, which she'd watch on repeat, repeat, repeat. And now she's had that diagnosis. Everything just seems to make a lot more sense. Um, she's also a mum of three autistic children as well. So it's given her that kind of context. But as I've been reading these um, stories, it has made me think, you know, what about black women with mm. autism? Middle-aged black women in autism. Where are they? What are their stories? And how are they operating or trying to, to make sense in the workplace? obviously not having the diagnosis. And um, there's been a couple of uh, interesting conversations I've had with um, women that are mothers of girls with autism. One is a white woman and she's based in America. And she actually shared that it took a long time for her to get that diagnosis, but she had to do her own research. And she actually found out that the criteria they use to diagnose someone with autism is based on a white boy. And so therefore, what her child was <gasps> presenting would never have been on the radar. Because it wouldn't fit the criteria. Yeah, well, those certain behaviors yeah. that her daughter was exhibiting isn't what a white boy would exhibit. Mm -hmm. And so her, her daughter was, um, she said her daughter was very quiet. But so she just put it down to her being a girl because she was a mother of like uh, five boys. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things that she just didn't pick up on. And it wasn't until she started doing her research that she actually found out that a lot of it is based, in order for you to be diagnosed with autism and the criteria they use, it's all based, all the research is based on white boys. So hence, you know, if you're a girl with autism, it doesn't really get featured on the radar. So how much more if you're a black girl with autism? Or black boy for that, for that matter. Exactly. Wow. So yes, reading these articles around these women recently being diagnosed with autism, it prompted that question for me actually. Well, what if you're a black woman, you're middle-aged and you have autism, but you, you don't even know because you haven't had that diagnosis. How do you operate and how are you making sense of the things that you know, you're experiencing in life? But there's also something about, I think, based on what you just said, Joyce, around the criteria. Yeah. So, you know, the criteria is set in, in one way, and that's going to, you know, have an impact, isn't it, on how people are viewed? Lady C? I'm just absolutely flabbergasted mm. by the sheer lack of thought that because this, this, this criteria is this, mm -hmm. we will assess everybody based on that. Yeah. <laughs> just find it like, who was in the room? Clearly nobody was in the room when this decision was being made. Of course, it, they weren't. Um, and I'm just reading something here about, you know, I'm just doing a quick Google search live while we're talking. Yeah. And just saying, you know, black people and autism, black people and ADHD. We mm -hmm. don't hear about that, you know. Exactly. I tell you, when I, I used to go to a church and a lot of the parents would say that their sons, a lot of the sons were diagnosed as being autistic. And I'd, be, I'd, I'd work with these young boys and I'm thinking, I can't see any form of autism. Mm. at all it's, mm. it's almost like it's just it was a label given to to children who are either misplaced in class because sometimes mm -hmm. a lot of the children operate at a higher level but they're in a lower class because of mm. assumptions or stereotypes um 
Um, and then therefore they're called autistic because they just yeah. don't do the work in the way the teacher expects them to do. To do it, yeah. Because they've just it's either either it's either too easy for them and they're bored, but there's a lot of or if they're excitable, they call them you know the disruptive. Yeah, and and I think sometimes it's a negative thing where they they're misdiagnosed because the teacher assumes they've they've clocked one or two characteristics and they've assigned them into this this label of ADHD or autistic. Mm, or mm. there's an under there's there's a there's there's not enough of proper diagnosis yeah. of adults in the same way that's been afforded to these two women that you've referred to. Mm. I, mean, I don't think that exists because a, a lot of us just learn to live with this thing and just navigate life the best that we can um, but it's, exactly. it's like if you if you equate it I suppose to things like um, sickle cell you know people in our community have been suffering from sickle cell for centuries yeah and yet there is still no um, medical prognosis on how uh, someone with sickle cell is treated because they treat every case differently. Um, and for me, what what that means is is that there hasn't there's not enough research that goes into sickle cell, and that's partly because it doesn't affect the majority, right? Yeah. And so because it doesn't affect yeah. the majority, well, do we need to do we need to re- be really concerned about this particular condition and how it affects mm. this particular group of people? Mm. Um, and so that strikes me very similar to what you said, Joyce, around, you know, uh, the diagnosis yeah. criteria was, was linked to um, using what a white boy would have. But this is yeah. a white girl, so it's going to present very differently. differently. Yes. And like you're then saying, for a black girl or a black boy, it's going to present differently, differently again. So, yes, yeah. we know we need a baseline, but obviously some of the criteria needs to be different depending on who being presented at the time. Crazy. Exactly. Well, crazy, that's, that's crazy. A great political turn. Yeah, uh, very good gonna, political. Food for thought. Some, food for thought. Definitely, definitely. We'll find some articles and put them in the show notes so we can look at, um, uh, you can do some a bit more research about that. And um, especially if you're an adult. You know, and one of my favorite TV shows, I know it's slightly different, but it's The Good Doctor. And it's about <laughs> Sean Murphy, who's. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's and, autistic, isn't he? I, I mean, he plays that part really, really well. Mm. Um, so I, I just love, I just love understanding more about the neurodiversity uh, spectrum because I'm quite ignorant when it comes to that. So, um, yeah, thanks, uh, Studio Queen Joyce, for raising that. A great political 10. And something for us to really consider going forward. I think it's time for a health tip. Yeah. No, that yeah. you don't. Say. Yes, we need a little pick me up, Duchess. You don't say, ladies. <laughs> you don't say. So I was thinking coming, about this. You know, so we need to, we need some. Yeah, tip. and that and that song says the goose is getting fat, isn't it? And we don't want to go. Well, we don't want to go down that lining in expanding uh, the waistlines or we try not to go down that line um i have found it quite really? difficult <laughs> that wasn't casting you know any aspersions over anyone um but it has i i have particularly found it difficult in this time of um you know being in the pandemic um i don't know about everybody else but working more remotely and not um, moving my body around as much as I've been used to in the past. So I found that quite difficult. And something happened to me, um, and this is why I'm going to use this as a health tip, that I found really, um, that was unexpected, but also very painful. So because I've been working remotely for nearly two years, isn't it? Most of us have been, for those of us that can work remotely, I would say 90% of the time, I fall into that category. So what that has meant for me is that I have not been getting up in the way that I used to in the past, which was um, get up really early, six o'clock. I still wake up at six o'clock, but I don't necessarily get up, get myself ready for for work. Then, you know, leave the house, have to walk to the bus stop from the bus stop, then walk to the tube station, get on the tube. Then from the tube, I have to then walk up a couple of escalators or stairs or whatever, and then walk from that destination to that physical building. So that used to be part of my daily routine in terms of my physical movement. I found, obviously, that had significantly reduced. And because of that, I started getting a particular ache 
at the top of my leg that goes into your um, hip area uh, and around your gluteus maximus, which for listeners is your bottom, for want of a better description. And I had this dull pain in the back of my head. Obviously, it was my my leg that was causing the the pain, but you you register it in your brain, don't you? So I was registering this pain for a very long time, a couple of months, and thinking, oh, it will go, it will go. But then what happened to me one day was I got up and I fell over without even, yeah, without even tripping up over anything or whatever. I got up and I fell over. And that was partly because when I tried to then put pressure on my right leg, it didn't sustain my body weight. And so I just fell over, hurt my arm, hit my head. And I, and I really had to sit down and think, hello, what's, go- yeah, yeah, what's going on here? How old am I? Blah, blah, blah. Yes. All of that. Anyway, cut a long story short. Um, I went to the doctors and what they said I had was glutinous medius tendinopathy. What? Okay. Run Glute- that past us again, slowly. <laughs> Thank you. Glutinous medius tendinopathy. So is so, that got something to do with your backside? There you go. Aching your butt cheeks. Yeah. I got the, ten- put- the tendinous. Right. So what happens is when you sit down, don't you, you sit down at a, I suppose, at an angle, don't you? But if you sit down in that position for too long, it then puts tension on those tendons that are there between your the top of your leg that go via your hip and through your bum. And so my health tip is, wow! if you are spending a lot of time in front of your PC, whether it be a monitor, a laptop, um, an iPad, all of the devices, spend no more than an hour sitting down in that position. You then need to get up and you need to stretch or move away from the screen that you've been looking at. Even if you just get up, and this is what I tend to do because I don't always have the time to go and sit somewhere else or walk somewhere else or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. I get up and I go and walk down a set of stairs and then walk back up the stairs. Brilliant. So that so that exercises the tendons in the way that they used to be in exercise more regularly. Yeah. Um, to limit, um, you know, the the tr- the um, traction I guess that happens on the tendons so that's something I learned about my body and how my body works but um, one of the physios was saying to me actually it's more than that it's about making sure that you can you're continually moving your body in slightly different ways Mm. so that you don't isn't this odd you don't put a strain on your body when you're sitting or standing in one position for too long so my health tip is if you're in front of any devices no more than an hour after that hour you need to get up and do something differently even if it means you just walk up and down your stairs or you if you've got a garden you can go and walk to the bottom of the garden and come back or if you haven't got that but you've got a front door you can just step outside of and come back in again and that's what we need to be doing because actually the remote working is having an impact on our physicality Definitely. and many, many other things, as we know. So that's me, Lady C. In terms that's a of great the, health tip. Great health tip indeed. So yeah. you've got to move. Move you've your got body. To move, I was going to say, move your body, move your body. Move yeah. it, move it. In it. Yeah. You got to move, move it, move it. it. We got to yeah. move it, move it. We got to move it. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to say goodbye. <laughs> Thank you again for our lovely sister in the spotlight, Brittany Clark. To our studio queen, Joyce. Hey. And, uh, Duchess and myself, Lady C. That's it for another show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Send us your messages on Twitter at Coco Sisters or drop us an email at Coco Sisters at gmail.com. Until next time, see you. Bye. Bye. Coco Sisters. It's a sister's thing.